And welcome to the Glacially Musical Podcast. It is beer, metal, swearing with a side of vinyl. I, of course, am Nick Cameron of Glacially Musical, and I am joined by the man you can never get rid of, who always comes back, never, never not reelected, except that one time, Diamond Joe Chakas. How are we doing today, buddy? All righty then. Uh, NPR intro, I do like it, except for the Diamond Joe Chakas. As long as I'm not... Uh... Joe Arapeo. I'm happy to be any Joe. You don't know who Diamond Joe is? I do. Okay. Well, it's just it's been it was election day here this week. And oh, okay. thankfully, uh the elections went the right way for the most part here in in the Democratic primaries in Missouri for me. But is what it is. I unfortunately did not vote because I was not certain if it was legal for me to vote as I have moved, but I still own the other house. I didn't know, and I just figured whatever. Anyway. Uh, thank you, everyone, for joining us this week. If you are here for The Motley Crew and you are brand new, like and subscribe, because that would make you awesome and killer diller. But so here's how we do this. Uh, introductions, beer check, shirt check, vinyl check, hip check, no hip check. News of the day. News of the let them know you're there. News of the day. Then we get to the meat of the matter. And the meat of the matter today is, of course, Motley Crew's something fifth fifth album dr feelgood before we get to that i am not beer checking this week because as keefe has mentioned many times i have a keeper of a wife who does so many wonderful things for me and makes me a better person i wake up every morning terrified that this is the last day of our marriage thankfully it's not been it's going really well but you know hey shoes drop but so today she she texts me while she's shopping and she goes do you want this and i said what and she sent me a picture of a 12 pack of hard mountain dew and i'm like uh i don't i don't i mean i love mountain dew mountain dew is like one of my jams and she's like how about this i'll buy you one and you can see what you think and i'm like there we go smart choices so what i didn't know was the size of this thing this thing is as big as my ass uh and so i'm gonna drink a hard mountain dew zero sugar which makes no sense and I am going to pour it into a glass because I am classy as fuck. And Elizabeth is the big one. I'm coming to see you. You give me a heart attack of laughter with that pour in that go in the beer glass. Unbelievable. Look at the color of this alien pea green. This shit is radioactive. <laughs> Radioactive. Let's not do the firm. We did that already. We did that conversation already. How is it? I don't know. He does not know. He may have to get a beer. I have Alrighty. a beer because this is either going to be really terrible or really awful. I didn't expect it to. It's like Mitch Hedberg said. I was in a band. We were called <clears throat> Injured. People either loved us or they hated us or they thought we were okay. I don't yes. know about this yet. All right then. I have a beer I have never had before, even though I have some beers in the fridge I have had before. Holy crap. So, so I'm sorry. Is, oh, no. It's hitting you. Oh, well. He's going to pour the rest of it. <laughs> I'll hold my beer check until you're done. I'm sorry. Just go, because I'm just going to mute myself, because, oh, oh, God. All right. Well, I am going to drink a Booze Brothers Brewing Company Ramble On IPA, which... 
of course I picked Scott like a chatterbox in a suit and a hat. Uh, does it sound like somebody you know? Let's read the back before I pour this thing. His rambling mouth moves so quickly, you wonder if those are even words he's uttering. Tiny nerves in your face twitch in irritation as you stand there in full assault of his self-absorbed monologue. This could be about me. I thought it was me. Let's get real. I think it's about me. But anyway, Ramble On is also arguably the best bass line of all time by Led Zeppelin. Uh, thank you, John Paul Jones, for everything you have given me. This is a 5 ABV West Coast IPA. Let's go do it. Here comes the can. Holy crap. I have to get the beer on my fucking keyboard. Good pop. Um, I've been looking my keyboard's at... got beer on it. I don't care. Yeah, for sure. I've been looking at the... Uh, our Spotify plays and there's an awesome E for explicit next to a lot of our podcasts because I just can't help myself. Hey, and it's beer, metal, and swear. I mean, we picked it, so and another lackluster pour. Okay, you gotta you gotta show the pour. You can't just I, you know. I thought you could see it. I mean, it's pretty no. pretty bad. So all right, well uh, you know I'll what? do better. I'll do better. Um, you know what? I would take a shitty pours. pour over a mount, a hard Mountain Dew. Uh, apparently, Christ. Um, uh, yeah, this is. I'm hopeful this is going to be a good beer. Um, I have some other contenders in the fridge, but I'm not back to my two beers at a time thing. I may go out for a beer later. A friend of mine needs some consoling, so we may meet at the local metal spot for beer and listen to some heavy metal. But we'll see what mood we're in. Um, this tastes like sad. <laughs> it tastes like a glass of sadness. I'll tell you what this tastes like right now. Ramble on IPA. Here we go. It's all foam. Oh no! Uh, I did get some some beer in there. Um, it's quite good. It's actually pretty good. My next um, beer is gonna taste really weird because this is sticky as shit. You're gonna need to like go gargle or something with uh, Ajax. I have a lot of regrets in life. Keefe tells me every day because uh, we text all the time. He tells me things like Nick make better choices. Like on Tuesday when I had time off, and I was listening to Lulu. And I'm always going to listen to Lulu. You did have steak twice in one day or something, or four times. No, in two I had days. I had three steaks in five days. I mean, that's awesome. I yeah, I don't do a lot of red meat, but when I do, I try to go ham. I uh, I had, meat, uh, but, I mean meat, but I mean beef. One of my favorite places in the world, best steakhouse, had that on Friday. The kiddo and I started a a, a leaflet campaign to convince the wife that we should do that. There were no leaflets. We didn't print up enough. Like a stay. We didn't print any. enough pamphlets, so no one showed up. <laughs> yeah, we didn't do that. Uh, we talked about not doing it. Actually, we didn't even do that. We didn't even talk about doing it. So, I mean, that's really how committed we were. But it worked out. We got the best steakhouse, and it was awesome. Uh, then on Sunday, on the way to camp, dropping the kid off, we stopped at the Mexican place uh, across the street from the Bail Bonds place in Hillsboro, Missouri. And I got a steak ranchero. Then on Tuesday, uh, Sunday, I w was up early and I let the family sleep in. So I had hours to myself. And after I did all the things, including cleaning the turlet, I started realizing my steaks that I have been cooking lately have been very lackluster to be complimentary to myself. They have been so poor, they've been getting a one. So that's when you know you did but that's when that's when i know I, I i didn't do a good work so i watched some videos i watched some youtube videos on how to cook a steak here are two things i learned that i did not know one pat the steak dry i didn't know that never done that two salt it for at least an hour 
salt it, let it sit for an hour. I didn't know that. So I ended up cooking the steak. And even though I set off all the smoke alarms in my house, I'm still comfortable with the way it turned out. And I will do it again. Cooked it on the cast iron griddle. And it was proud. It was as good as the $50 steak I got at Twisted Branch for my birthday last year. So for cast iron, right? What's your, I'm always like a long time low flame cast iron person. I did this, this, this is a cast iron grillish thing. So I could get a little bit of grill marks, made my wife a grilled chicken breast because she does not eat steak. She eats a little red meat, but only ground beef. So I did that and I gave it my Montreal steak seasoning, which is $15 a jar. Threw some jalapeno steak butter seasoning on there, which is also $15 a jar. The actual Montreal steak seasoning by McCormick has high fructose corn syrup in it for no particular reason. I don't. Uh. I should not be spouting health packs on any podcast, let alone my own. But just pointing it out to you. Be careful what you put in your. I know. I didn't use. No, this is uh, Pepper Palace Montreal steak seasoning. There you go. So it's got a little bit of heat to it, and I threw uh, threw it on the grill. Came out perfect. It. It. it, I did uh, two and a half minutes aside, Mm -hmm. and I got a spectacular rare but not bloody melt in your mouth exactly how i want my steaks rare but not bloody and it was a uh, trader ish no this wasn't even medium it had uh yeah it had uh about it was about an inch and a half thick steak new york strip it bought at trader joe's and it had about a half inch on top and bottom of like pink pink Mm. and then in the middle it was magenta it was i can send you pictures because i took them you did send me pictures. Um, oh, there you go. What is, just to back up for a second while we're on the subject, what is, as we've offended every vegan and vegetarian, what is steak ranchero? ranchero? I don't know. It's a ribeye steak with some sauce on it All that right. comes with Mexican rice, which makes me happy. All right, then. I don't know. It's, it's, it's there. It's only 13 bucks. Okay. Yeah. Would you so like... I had a, I had oh, a sorry. actually, I had a porterhouse, a ribeye... And a New York strip in five days. That's 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 covering your bases. Oh, I cover them. Uh, quick shirt check. Mm. This week I am rocking my brand new shirt, my Tetris shirt. Like to put squares in the holes. There was a very cool TikTok video of a guy doing like Tetris in a giant freight yard. Oh, for a second I thought you said you were going to say you sticking up blocks up his arse. And we didn't need to talk about that. I mean, now I'm going to Google that. Mine goes to dark places, Nicholas. Make better choices. I'm going to have um, to Google that phrase and regret choices. I am I am wearing my uh, Black Dahlia Murder tribute shirt to Trevor. And uh, you can still buy this shirt from Night, Sh- uh, Night Shift Merch mm-hmm. out of Florida. And I think it's in it's probity, probity in Europe that does it. I'm sorry. We'll link it in the description the money, some of the money goes to charity and some of the money goes to Trevor's family to cover the cost of the memorial they just had for him the other day. Very so, cool. Uh, yeah, Very cool. So uh, news of the day, I did see. Skip oh, the vinyl. Oh, I don't have a vinyl check this week. I do. So I'm just, I'm just going to bust out that. Oh, you got the crew ready. I did listen to Dr. Feelgood on. This is what I got it at 1999 at CD Warehouse in South County, St. Louis. Nice in the mylar already. No, it was not. No, no, I'm saying you cleaned it. Oh, yeah, I've had this for about a year now. Um, I was very surprised to come across this because it, as I've mentioned before in our collecting episodes, the most expensive records are 
the late 80s, early 90s ones during the dark times. But this is a 180 gram repress. But, you know, I got it for 20 bucks and I am happy with that. And it, this is actually one of the albums also that has surprisingly increased in value in ways that I did not expect. But that's really? that's never leaving this house. Okay. Well, if there's a crew record worth buying a 180 gram repress of, it's that one. And we'll get into that later. I don't want to have a spoiler alert for the whole episode. I have a vinyl check. So that was your vinyl check. Here's my, oh, vinyl. God. Here's my vinyl check. This is a bad boy. I have been waiting for it for a long time. Super excited. One of my favorite bands of the last 20 years is reuniting for the Blue Ridge Rock Festival. And I have the awesome repress of God Forbids Gone Forever. Nice. Um, They have other albums that are awesome. I love this record. I actually saw God Forbid as a bar band before they were signed to Century Media um, in the like late 90s. So really cool. I'm I'm friendly with Corey Pierce. I'm friendly with Doc Coyle. He used to serve me beer at Duff's Alcohol Abuse Center. Uh, again, beautiful on vinyl, the back cover, and the somewhat maligned bird poop pattern and uh, kind of bird poop color, to be honest. I don't know if you can tell with the lights here in the room, but this is like literally yellowy green <laughs> kind of looks like yeah it's got i'm questioning a lot of your choices i'm questioning their not aesthetic choice not i'm questioning album. their aesthetic choice yeah, it's, it's uh put out on m theory audio i think these are sold out now so this will probably be rare i'm hoping for their other albums to get repressed and put out on vinyl the next few years hoping that that one-off show is not more than one and uh yeah I'm very, very excited cool. i will tell you now until i finish this mountain dew i will be grumbling after every sip because this is terrible. Uh, I well, you go ahead and give some news, and then I will. You can go grumble, and I'll do some news. I don't have a whole lot of news. I just want to say I did see on the very excellent website that I don't know if anybody's heard of, Ghost Cult Mag's Twitter feed, that yesterday was James Hetfield's birthday, which makes him, I believe, sixty-one or fifty-nine. I can never remember if it was 62 or 63 when he was born. I think he's 59. I remember that Bob Rock gave him, during the load sessions, gave him a an SG. He was 63 because it was a 63 SG, which is from the same year he was born. So that I thought that was cool. And we'll talk about Bob Rock a lot more later. But other than that, that is... That's probably all I got for news this week. I haven't been paying, been um, busy. I haven't paid as much attention as I would like. I was in we, jury duty. That's correct. You were serving your people. That's good. Um, but you got out because your wife's a lawyer and you're from, you're like very familiar with the law. And the she two, knew the judge. And the, she knew the judge. She knows the judge. Super <laughs> conflict of interest. Three ways you can get out of jury duty. You or someone you're related to is a lawyer and knows people in the local justice system. You are a horrible person that does not like authority you have an unfavorable opinion of the crime in the area in the place in question or if you if you like me you're like me and you uh, live in a place with an unethical prosecuting attorney who puts on false evidence and you know that and you're not ashamed to admit that in public okay. did not get to that point but i probably would have because in your back pocket for the next time I, well, I this do, wasn't even pro this wasn't even criminal. I civil, do feel but. like it's weird that beside voting, jury duty is one of the few civic duties you actually can do that do serve your community. But they make mm -hmm. it so un just not. I don't want to say accommodating because I'm going to sound like a Karen, but it's so inconvenient when you they want you to serve 
and they don't and you don't get paid and your job's not going to pay you so like why would i uh i got paid 12 dollars it's almost not getting paid dude it's like car fare i know i know uh but it was a two-week trial so that's how i got actually i didn't even get to the courtroom that's like i'm like no i'm i can't i dude i work i I, i'm not retired i sorry happy to serve happy to do my duty and if you want me i'll do it but they should want to have a diverse pool of jurors who feel that you know it's worth their while to serve and that's a real i'm gonna stop talking about everything here because i don't want to say things i'm not allowed to say i got you you're probably yeah there's probably a list of no-go zones from the wife um similar to dr manhattan please don't talk about afghanistan or the middle east or vietnam um (laughs) so is there any news do we talk about the latest from the Motley Crue tour last week? I don't know. Oh, we, oh, we, no, no, that came oh. out. The, okay. Oh. Uh, so. I, I, I got I to say, I did not have on my bingo card Tommy Lee being the weak link of Motley Crue on the stadium tour. Did you? Did anyone? He's usually the strongest part of the band. He is a freaking chuckle fuck. I don't understand this guy and his BS. You go ahead. So, turns out, Tommy Lee is drum syncing. Now, some people will say that it's just a click track that we heard. However, there was a crash cymbal that was also heard while Tommy Lee was not playing, which means it's not a click track unless it is the Cadillac DeVille, the Cadillac Sedan DeVille of click tracks. Uh, But usually that's in your ear, not out. So the crash in your ear would not be helpful. So, uh... They've got rhythm guitar pumped in on stage. They've got uh, Vince, all the backup vocals pumped in on stage. They've got half of Vince Neil's vocals pumped in on stage. And they've got uh, now Tommy Lee drums pumped in on stage. And, uh, so, and again, I'm not going to say that there are def, their Def Leppard surely has backing vocals pumped in. They surely have additional sequencing keyboards. Oh, do they? Guitars. Does I mean, Def Leppard do this? They have I'm old, kidding, I mean, I'm kidding. I, oh, okay. I mean, they're still great live, and they do play a lot themselves. And Joe still can sing most of the time till he blows his voice out. It's been pretty good on this tour, apparently. But this is unforgivable. Like, this is borderline heinous, yo. Like, so the question becomes, what the fuck is it? What is it? Why bother? Why come back at all if you can't do it? Like, I'm just, uh, un, uh, I mean, so fun fact, uh, as of now, this week, as we record this, we would have been covering Motley Crue on the East Coast, but Ghost Cult, we were turned down because they want to put in television and newspapers that don't care about rock and roll or write a review of things, good, bad, or indifferent. So we were denied. I'm not salty about it. It is part of the process. Um, more and more as we've come back from the abyss of no-shows during the height of the pandemic, we'll call it. Um, they are making websites and press go strictly through Live Nation. So if I was going through my contacts, Ooh. who I know at Motley Crue's label, Def Leppard's longtime publicist, even Poison, if I was going through any of them, I think they would put us in. But because you have to go through like an anonymous person at Live Nation that may not know us, and we're not television, radio, or Loudwire, you know, Revolver, they turned us down so i'm bummed that we're not gonna have the coverage but then again i'm all motley crewed out and after tonight i'm gonna take a long hiatus from this band i uh i know what it's like to be turned down for coverage i have been turned down for coverage from uh pr firms whom whom i will not name Mm. who emailed me 
would you like to cover this show? And I'm like, yeah, I would love to. I would love to interview the artist, whatever you can get me. And only to get emails back that say, who are you? Mm. I'm like, okay, that only hurt a lot. You know what? I'll buy a ticket. Yeah, I think, again, sometimes, uh, you know, I love my publicists. I love you all for the most part. Most of you are great. I do think that they are not, they're the bearers of bad news, but they're not the actual gatekeepers. A lot of times it's the management and they're very excited to say, look, we offered the show to 29 people, pick your 10. And then they and then they have to give you bad news. Um, we had a I didn't get that. Uh, that's not, that wasn't the issue. The issue was, who are you? Is it the same publicist that says, so, yeah. they sent you, so they sent you, they spammed you with a message that seemed personal. You replied enthusiastically. And then they personally wrote back, who are you? Because they don't actually know who you are. Correct. That sucks. Especially if it's in like the metal realm, because it's oh small, yeah, it's, it's a, a big it's, it's, it's a, a big metal place. World. It's a real small world, so I'm sorry to hear that. But um, I I did get an email from they they brought on someone else who knew me later, and he text he emailed me specifically, not a spam email, but mm-hmm. one to me, and and I'm like, hey, this happened last time I tried, so no. But they uh, did email me again, theoretically, personally. I may try this one. And if I do, it's something I think that we could do. To, it's one of the ones we could do together. Okay, we'll talk about it offline. I will say, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I want to leave on a positive note. And I do think most of the feel-good conversation will be positive. But I did see a concert this week. My first back since COVID. I was a little full of anxiety. Monkey pox is exploding everywhere. More, No more so than in California. But the country just announced a national emergency about the monkey pox. And again, it's really only transmissible... If someone with a sore on their body touches you, um, or gets fluid in you via sex or something, so like, yeah, like I'm not gonna get it. But also at a concert with people ripping their shirt off and moshing and sweaty and drunk, you get people rubbing against you. So I saw Anthrax, Black Label Society, and Hatebreed <clears throat> at in Sacramento at the Cal Expo where this California State Fair is happening at the same time. So about 500 yards away from where Anthrax played, Smash Mouth was playing somewhere else in the in the proximity. And I wish I could have gone to see them. Apparently, I watched some video just to see in case he was, you know, continues to be Steve, the frontman of uh, Smash Mouth, continues to be a mess on stage and horrible. But he actually was at least competent in performing. I still don't think he's a good person. But uh, that is a hell of a lineup. I want to urge people to go. This is Anthrax's first headline tour in a dog's age. Uh, they have yeah, they've been, been touring with Slayer. Like They've been really. opening for other bands, co-headlining, co-headlining in Europe. They did a headline tour of Europe at the uh, like during the pre-pandemic time. They were supposed to come home and write a record. They've started to write that record, but they basically not, have not done a proper headline tour of North America in six or seven full years where they toured the whole country. To have Black Label and Hatebreed out with them is a little something for every, every kind of metal fan there. Uh, each band plays a very lengthy set. So Hatebreed played like 15 songs in about an hour. Black Label Society played about 14 songs in an hour. Anthrax plays about 13 songs in an hour, 5, hour, 10. So it's a very enjoyable, very good show. Um, and uh, yeah, I, even Anthrax, my typical one of my favorite bands. You see, there the patch on the back of my battle vest. I'm from the Bronx, New York, where two guys are from. Though my one problem with Anthrax, and historically, is at least the last however many years since Joey came back, they don't really switch the setup much. They did this time. They did 
<clears throat> um, what did they do? They did Keep It in the Family, which I have not Ooh. heard live in forever. Whoa! Um, they also did Fight Him Till You Can't, which isn't unheard of, but it's nice to hear from worship music. This is the 40th anniversary tour. They did only with Joey on vocals. He's still all over the place vocally compared to John, but super cool that they did it and the fans went bananas for it. And um, they also didn't do Got the Time, which even though I love Got the Time, after hearing it at every Anthrax show I've ever been to, it was great to not actually hear it. And it was great to not hear certain things. But they did like all the, all the, they opened up with like five or six just blazing thrash tracks to open. All from the 80s. It was fantastic. Like no Yeah. It's like when I saw Metallica the second time and they didn't play For Whom the Bell Tolls, but they did play Inner Sandman. You're always going to get Inner Sandman. But uh, I have seen them once where they didn't do it and I was really thrilled. Um maybe once or twice actually of all the times i've seen them, they did not play it and i was surprised uh and i'm like that with seek and destroy love seek and destroy always one of my favorite songs surely my favorite song off of the first album kill them all and i could not choose to especially if they do the like 20 minute version i don't want to hear it anymore yeah but there. wouldn't it be better if they played something along the lines of where the wild things are you're jesting right Oh, God, completely. Okay. Uh, I will also say that Anthrax closed with Indians, which was a very good choice. They oh. don't often close. They've closed with other songs, not that one, in a long time. Long, long time. So great great set by Anthrax. Great set by Zach. You, I don't have to go through the tracks. You know what he played. And uh, and Hatebreed was very solid. You know what they do. So Very cool. <clears throat> uh, before we get into the meat of the, the potatoes, let's discuss briefly what has come out from Phil Anselmo's uh, face hole about the Pantera tour. Uh, he has said he is on record saying that he knows Dime and Vinny would be all about the legacy of Pantera living on. Thoughts? I don't think he's wrong. First of all, let's just be fair to Philip and say that he definitely put it in a context, right? That yes. he's like, I think we would have reunited eventually and put our differences behind us. Dime and Vinny were about being a legacy band. They were always cozying up to our heroes. Not that he wasn't either, of course he was. But he was saying like they were very concerned, especially as they got to be a more older veteran band, that they were one of the best bands ever and they'd be seen that way. And this is, a, in Phil's opinion, this is a way of protecting that legacy. Philip has come out and said that they're going to do you know, they're very excited and going to do a good thing. Rex has gone on record and said that, like, this is a big deal and we're going to take really great care to play the best we can. And he said all the right things. Rex is an ornery SOB sometimes and just kind of shoots from the hip. Oh, I know. You know well. But he, but I think they're all saying the right things. And both Zach and Charlie, since I saw them both, and by the way, obviously, like uh, Anthrax did in the end, which is a tribute to Dio and Dimebag and uh, uh, and now Vinny. And, uh, of course, Zach Wilde brought out a baby grand piano on a tour and did In This River for, like, 15 minutes. Um, and so, you know, they're saying all the right things. We're going to do this right. We're going to take great care to honor their music. We're going to play what the fans want to hear. And you just wait and see. We're going to do it right. So, like, you know, I th I don't think Phil's insincere. He's been insincere about a lot of things. You know, people are going to remember this. If people who never saw Pantera go out and it's whack, 
they're going to remember they saw it finally and it was whack. Whatever, finally, or whatever passes for Pantera. Again, I wouldn't quite call it the Pantera reunion. I would say a tribute to Pantera, a night of Pantera music, a tribute to Diamond Vinny. Anything like that, I think, is fine. I wouldn't quite say we're Pantera. The bill shouldn't just say Pantera blank and blank. Yeah, we've, we've been pretty much on the record with that. And, I mean, honestly... I waffle back and forth every time. Oh, now you're now you're doing my trick. Sorry, it's all right. I did it to you twice. Uh, I, I have not decided where I'm falling on this just yet, so I got to give that some time. I'm gonna say I'm probably gonna go. I'm gonna be really honest. I've seen Pantera more than most people have. I saw them a bunch. I used to go to multiple shows a tour. Uh, at one point during the 101 Proof Tour, they played five shows in the local tri-state area of New York, and I went four times in a row to see the same set list, to see the same opening bands. I didn't care. I was all about this band. And uh, bands I had sounded like a cross between Pantera and Metallica with a little other stuff thrown in. Uh, and uh, I'm most likely going to go at a, at a morbid curiosity. I saw the brothers... And I, I think it's going to be okay. And I think they are going to do it right. And I think it is going to be handled with care. And I don't think it's going to be disrespectful. And if people feel it's disrespectful, that's cool too. I understand. Well, you've got two good people working with them, very respected people, probably just the exact perfect people to round out the lineup. I, If I had an opportunity to go today, I'm probably going. So we'll see how that goes. But in the meantime... Let's move on mm. to the feel good. Should mention, I listened to this album last week, listened to it again today. And then in order to get a little bit more uh, into the spirit, as it were, as my wife and I were eating dinner, uh, we were watching Dr. Feelgood videos. So I saw the video for Dr. Feelgood today. I saw the video for Kickstart My Heart today. And I saw the video for SO, Same Old Situation today. And she is there singing along. And I'm like, this is research. Take this seriously. Is there a video for Without You? Yes, there is. It is Egyptian themed because that makes sense. It's their power slave or their seasons in the abyss, I guess. Uh, Danny, friend of the show, is posting pictures on Facebook of himself in Egypt right now because that's where he is. And he went to the statue where they stole power slave from no wearing an iron maiden power slave t-shirt amazing power slave is my favorite iron maiden album because that um, is danny danny rules um of torchlight parade and a bunch of other bands torchlight parade three fourths <laughs> francis beckmork uh capuchin punks there's more okay dude is on fire word put him out Okay, so let's get to the business for real this time. Feel good. Yeah, I listened to this thing four times in the last three days. You had five stakes in three days. You had a better choice. You had a better life than I did. Three and five. Yeah, I listened to this record four times in the last two days. It's been much. And honestly, it's the only one that actually holds up of the whole run. Uh, I do still love Shout at the Devil, and the beginning of Girls, Girls, Girls is a good start to the album, but that really fuck. I'm sorry. That went, oh. Stop drinking it. Pour it out. No, I'm not. I'm determined to drink it all. I'm sorry, everybody listening at home that's not getting this visual. Uh, We have been posting these. uh, Hopefully, I haven't really checked. 
I don't know it. When you do the videos, we'll talk off air about how to get these to show up as videos on Spotify via Anchor, and uh, maybe I, I only post the, the first. No, I I started that, but today's was the first one. I the one that published today was the first one I had done. Okay, very well. Um, so sorry. This album holds up. This album holds it holds up. up very much in a lot of cool ways. Who whom do you think we have to thank for this? I think it's Bob Rock. And so I would I, agree. And, and I think maybe maybe Doc McGee, actually. So Bob Rock, everyone listening to this podcast knows that name for obvious, <clears throat> obvious reasons. He was this almost is, the bassist in Metallica. At least he wanted to be. He was the bassist in Metallica. I think kinda. he should just... I think it should just be me. No, he wanted to be the permanent bassist in Metallica. I know, I think and that was just a, make it be me. That was a terrible. That'd be a terrible, terrible plan. I mean, but he's a good guitar player. That's people know him. He's actually quite a good guitar player. But yeah, uh, and a good guitar player does not mean good bass player. Ace Frehley, looking at you, hire a bass player. Cheap bastard. Um, so Bob Simmons taught him to do that. Ooh, it's uh, it's hard to believe, but there was a time when Bob Rock was not a household name. He was not. And it and the time when Bob Rock was not a household name was around the time that Motley Crue went into the studio with Bob Rock. At this time, the only significant work he had done ahead of this was The Cure. Not The Cure, I'm sorry, The Cult. Sorry, wow, messed that one up. The Cult. He is only just off of being in The Paolas, which I have recently listened to. Gonna say, don't recommend. Do not. Uh, that is not. That is not one that. No, but uh, probably gonna make Duncan listen to that. Uh, that's besides the point. So he is what year one, two years out of being a working musician for a Canadian band called the Paolas, which they kept changing around to make them fly. It did not. For more information about that, see a year and a half in the life Metallica tape number one. So he comes in, and this is where Bob Rock makes his name. Now, Molly Crew was not an unsuccessful band, as we all know. All of their albums have gone multiple times platinum. If you think about their first four albums, they sold, what, about 15 million copies of four albums? That's pretty damn good. So they're, they're doing really well. So why would you bring in someone new? Well, so you could sell 10 million copies. Yeah, I think what happens is they, despite the success, they didn't like Tom Worman being their babysitter and A&R and producer. Uh, they honestly had not made a very good sounding record. We discussed this. They're good, but they're good in the same way they're not great. Uh, they, and that maybe some of that is the performances and some of that is the guys in the band and their lack of focus because of focusing on other things. And they were going to make a change to someone. Now, I will say, it's it's not possible he did not have a real success. I mean, like, the albums he was known for before he recorded Motley Crue was probably the debut Kingdom Come album. Everybody knows that Kingdom Come is like the 80s hair band that shamelessly rips off Led Zeppelin much more than even Great White or any other hair band. Um, I think um, you meant White Snake. No, Kingdom Come. I'm, no, I'm, no, the rips off that rips off oh, Led Zeppelin more than I will. I refuse that. I'm sorry. I'm not gonna because so, he shook his shoulders one time and he had 
frosted blonde hair like Robert. He's a Robert ripoff. Listen, David Coverdale is Robert's peer. He was incredible in Deep Purple. I won't have it. I will not have it. I will just say this and I will let it go. There is a Coverdale page song that was a single that KC95 played for years and years and years. And I never realized it wasn't uh, Led Zeppelin. That is on you. Um, <laughs> do your homework. Anyway, before he recorded Motley Crue, he did rec- he was the producer on Sonic Temple and Blue Murder, which has John Sykes from Thin Lizzy. So these are, you know, granted they were all kind of recorded back to back to back in 88. So he was busy working on these big deal records. To me, big deal records, right? Cult is a, becoming a huge band at this point after Love and Sonic Temple. Uh, at this time, the cult is opening for Metallica on the Damage Justice Tour. Right. So, I mean, like growing, growing. Yeah. Down. Oh, yeah. Blue Murder at least had a good rep. And again, so he gets crew. And you can't deny or refute the fact that, you know, he made them sound amazing. That I'm sorry, I'm nodding and I realize that perhaps you're listening. So, yes, he took Motley Crue and made them sound great. When Keefe talks about how the first few albums were good, sounded good, didn't sound great. I have albums, pressed to vinyl even, by buddies of mine that recorded them in their basement that have better engineering and sound quality than Theater of Pain, released on Electra Records in 1986. So what does Bob Rock do? He He's a guitar player. He focuses on the guitar. And he did some amazing work with Mick Mars. And Mick Mars did a lot of new things on this album, a lot of talk box, a lot of metal shredding, which he didn't really do very much of leading into this. He, Bob Rock got, he went backwards with Mick Mars that he did at Kirk Hammett. He made Kirk Hammett bluesier. He made Mick Mars less bluesy, which... I don't know, I, whatever your style is, I guess change up the lead guitar player, make them do whatever you want, and then sell millions and millions and millions of records. Uh, Veruca Salt, how'd you do? But Veruca Salt produced by Bob Rock, by the way. Correct. Um, That's why I pointed that out. I, I was going to say, I actually, I'm going to just throw it in here because I brought it up once before and you kind of shrugged me off. I there's a lot of credence that says Nikki Six is also really the guitar player Motley Crue at least in the studio has gone in and Jimi Hendrixed Mick off the albums because he didn't want they were close to firing him on the last record and Nikki didn't like what he was getting is similar to Charlie Benante and Anthrax so go in and record your solos over and you didn't even notice uh, Danny you know so like just Dan Spitz so like Nick ha- Nikki has been known has been said and floated and intimated that he's played a lot of guitar on this album and other Motley Crue albums just saying it would not shock me <clears throat> I would not shock me and knowing the kind of people that Nikki Six is I, the thing about it is he before this album he's never really been let's call it functionally engaged to make me believe that happened. Now on this record, because we didn't mention Molly crew is sober for this album. They are off the drugs. No more hair Ron. Nikki six nearly died and they stopped drinking. Even I don't think that that held, but they, so they're doing a completely new Motley crew, completely sober, and which I believe was the impetus for the song Dr. Feelgood, 
And so it's it's a very different band and a much more, I'm presuming, engaged band in what's going on. I'm not going to say that they need to be 100% sober all the time, but I would say after as deep as they went into that, it was probably a good idea to take a break. Accurate. Um, is this also around the time of the Moscow Peace Conference concert? Oh, they, we didn't. We didn't. We should have talked about that last right week. Right over it. But it's let's okay. hit it this week. No, let's hit it. All right. You want to hit it now? Because we haven't gotten. To oh the yeah, hit it now. Hit it now. All right. So, as part of a plea deal to keep Doc McGee from going to jail for drug trafficking to all his bands and doing, you know, snorting up half of Bolivia by himself. Oh God. They. <laughs> you poor guy. They make a deal to leave the country, which nobody should be able to leave the country, especially Doc McGee if you're under indictment for drug trafficking, to go do a, you know, the wall was coming down, Glasnost was in the, you know, happening, you know, Mr. Gorbachev tore down that wall, Reagan, everything. They go to Europe, they go to Russia to do this. At least they didn't, at least they didn't do this in Peru. No, that would have been ridiculous. But, (laughs) so it's like, Ozzy at the height of Ozzy, crazy drugs. Yeah, this is uh, bon Jovi. For Ozzy, yeah. this is the um, no rest, no rest. No rest yeah, for no the rest. Wicked. For the wicked. Zach Wilde's first tour ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sebastian Bach and Skid Row first album. And if you read Sebastian's book, he will tell you all about the cocaine that he snorted. Yeah. He'll tell you not to do it, and then he'll say he loved it. So apparently, he snorted the cocaine with the Lars Ulrich. Yes, all the time. All the time. Uh, but yeah, so Bon Jovi, who were pretty sober and square, Motley Crue, who were trying to be sober. Doc were they Mickey, at this? Were they at this time? Uh, right before, but they had okay. supposedly said they were going to be sober. They were trying to be sober for Vince, and Nikki had definitely kicked the age as much as he could. And that's again, I think that lends to why the record also came out well. But there's another. That's more. More on that in a minute. Who else is on that? There's other bands. Scorpions are on there. Mm-hmm. Everybody. It's an incredible lineup that got on a plane, on one private plane together to fly to Moscow. That's just, you know, how, how long is that flight going to be? Ooh, 20 12 hours? Hour, 12 hours at least. Yeah, well, I mean, I flew to, from Denmark to New York and it was 10. So Russia's going to oh. be in there a couple more. Yeah. So, yeah, probably about 16 hours. You're probably right. And so... Like it was, and Adam Curry of MTV, the host of Headbangers Ball at this time, by the way. Whoa. Um, just insane. So just the madness that ensues. I'll let you take over from here. All righty. First of all, let's just say this was not a sobriety check for anyone. Uh, this was just a complete and utter mess. And it's... But I have to say, the balls on these people, they're like, hey, you know where we should go do this? Exactly where the Iron Curtain just fell. We'll go to Moscow. It'll be awesome. I'm sure everything is totally safe. There's no power vacuum. And we'll just get really stoned on the plane. And everyone came back. That's the part that I really don't understand. I would have thought the mob would have taken over at that point. Fair enough. I also want to point out, um, sort of in a circular fashion, 
that Bob Rock was also, I don't want to insult him, he was the engineer on the first two Bon Jovi records and my beloved Aerosmith Permanent Vacation comeback album. So, oh, God. I mean, you he know. He was on Permanent, I didn't know. I didn't know he he's took- the engineer and mixer of those albums. So he did have a bit of a, he was kind of a growing name as a producer. Because if you worked on those at all platinum selling records, right? The two Bon Jovi, Slippery, and oh, I'm sorry, the, the, the second and third Bon Jovi records. So Slippery, Wind Wet, and New Jersey. And permanent vacation. So, and I guess he came in and he actually was the engineer on Kirk Hammett's solo record, even though he didn't produce it. It's kind of funny. Oh, he did produce. He did produce it. Um, he's he's done a lot of great stuff after this Motley Crue record, including the Black Album. But he did a lot of things. And Veruca Salt. Veruca Salt. A little ain't enough by David Lee Roth. Love her. He did, wait a minute. He did that. He's the producer of that album, Little Caesar. I have that. I got a uh, an English copy of that. Shares, covers album, Love Hurts, Bon Jovi, Keep the Faith, The Cult, self-titled, Motley Crue, self-titled, Choir Boys, their best record, Load. I Real. might throw up. I, I, might. I might throw up this mountain. <laughs> Nina Gordon, Metallica, I Disappear. And then, and then actually the last 20 years, Bob has never had a day off, it seems. He's got like a pretty charting record every... Every year, The Cult, Beyond Good and Evil, Econoline Crush, Our Lady Peace, Tonic, Simple Plan, American Hi-Fi, Nina Gordon Solo from Veruca Salt, Joan Jett, Tragically Hip, Michael Buble, Gavin Rossdale, Offspring, DOA, Tragically Hip 311, Nelly Furtado, Black Veil Brides. He's working. This guy's working, working, working. So. He is a he is the Bob Ezrin of our generation. Ugh, slow down. Oh. Whoa. <laughs> it's not it's not unfair. I mean, think about that. Bob Ezrin did The Wall, Destroyer, uh, so many Alice Cooper records. He produced so many of the seminal records of the 70s. And Bob Rock comes in and produces so many of the seminal records of the late 80s and 90s. And he... That's not unfair. I mean, that man probably has sold 400 million records. That might be a bit much, but between crew and just between crew and Metallica, he sold a hundred. For sure. Yeah. And which yeah. if you think about that, that is absolutely insane. And then he's the engineer on those Bon Jovi records that are like each 10 million sellers. Which is right. Insane. And permanent vacation, which is probably my favorite Aerosmith record. Oh, nice. Uh, God, I have a DJ promo copy of that one. That's crazy. Um, here's, here's the secret to the album right here. So Crew's trying to be sober and make this record. And you know we've discussed at length at Infinitum about Nikki and Vince's relationship. And, you know, whether Nikki's too Jesus high. Jesus, fuck. I'm sorry. This is, it's like medicine now. Mm-mm. Oh, yeah, it's like castor oil. Um, oh, it is. I'm like, I'm like drinking the castor oil and stand by me. Give me to a pie eating contest. Yikes. So... Um, apparently, s- for the first time in their entire career, Bob Rock made them record their parts separately with no one else allowed in the studio, one at a time. Interesting. That's how he did it. So that's how the record got made. That's probably why it sounds so good. No one is allowed to interfere with anyone else until the parts are all recorded. And by then, the, it's done. You know what I'm saying? It's all done already. So Bob is a magical guy, man. He gets the best out of people. 
I don't love everything he's ever done, but certainly he, you know, made my band one of my favorite bands, the biggest band ever. He certainly and that and again, if you hate the Black Album, you hate this record because this is the template for the Black Album. This sound of this record. Lars Ulrich said, "I want a drum sound like Doctor Feelgood. How do I do that?" Someone said, "Probably Q Prime. Hire Bob Rock." And I believe Bob Rock was paid for the Black Album about a hundred thousand dollars and points on the record. And he worked on that shit for a year. I mean, a hundred thousand oh, yeah. dollars thirty years ago is like a million today, right? Like inflation and so like eight hundred, nine hundred thousand, which is unheard of. And points on the record. And points on the record. There's the biggest selling record of most of all time, just about. So, at least in rock and metal, and surely, it, it, yeah. it, I'm sure it is the most, the highest selling metal album of all time. Yeah. And I mean, how many albums have sold thirty million copies? Right. Actually, and it still sells six thousand copies a week, physical. So apparently. Also, Metallica. Well, how many times have you bought it? We left this a few. We left this out, Same. but I would say um, Polestar did their like 40th anniversary roll up, and Metallica is the has sold the most tickets ever of any metal band, and I think they're only eight bands behind number one, which is U2. But like, let's say U2, Metallica. Let's say when they really start becoming a global phenomenon, it was like the year or two after the Black Album, right? And say that like U two was already a huge band for eight years by this time, eight or nine years at least. So, I finished the Mountain Dew. That's just fucking horrible. Don't do it again. I will not. I will not. I had to know. Treat yourself better. <sighs> I'm gonna treat myself better right now. You're not gonna chase it with something. Wash it down. Lick a cat's butthole. Something. What you got there? Uh, Pithead session. Pithead Brewing Aldi brand uh, session IPA. Okay. How's that clash? Oh, good fucking God. I told you. You gotta cleanse the palate. I'm trying to cleanse the palate. Oh, God, I want to kill it with fire. I don't want to taste anything ever again. Oh, no. <laughs> stick a stick a knitting oh. needle in each taste bud. Oh, Jesus. The world has taken away my favorite thing, and that's tasting delicious things. Wow. I'm sorry, Molly Crew. And, and we're listening to Molly Crew is punishment enough, my friend. <sighs> but here we go. No, not this week. Oh God. Okay. Uh, so yeah, so Bob Rock comes in, and this is where Bob Rock makes his bones. He was a up and comer, and he takes a extremely successful band and explodes them. And another, you know, template from this album to the Black Album, they each had six singles. So big singles, big tours, big videos. Both of these bands, not that Molly Crew wasn't a video band to begin with, but this is when Electra Records starts putting money into their videos. Here's a question for you. Based on our conversation last week, last episode on the Glacially Musical Podcast, Batman and Robin fight the Riddler. Um, Fuck that guy. Do you think, do you think the musical tone of Feel Good is just a follow-up to Girls, 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 Just Done Better? Yes. No, it, I, when I was listening to, to Dr. Feel Good today, the track, I was immediately reminded of the track Girls, Girls, Girls. See, to me, Kickstart My Heart reminds me of Girls, Girls, Girls. got that same kind of like buzz song. Maybe maybe I got the wrong track, but there was no, a I song. No, I mean, like, Dr. Feelgood is a singular song. I mean, we're not going to do the track by track. We will in a second. But like I was going to say that like 
they did all the things they did good on those first two songs on that Girls, Girls, Girls record, and they did them to, to like, to the volume 10 effort on this record. Um, completely, I, thought, I would completely agree with that. There was nothing F terrible on that last record, but there was also nothing amazing except those first couple. The, and, that I, I will say about Girls, 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 what I say about Kisses Hot in the Shade, it could have been, it could have been a single. And I would, and I, you know, and I wouldn't would've even been enough. Would have been enough. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of fun things on this. Do you, we want to just run down the track by track and just put this put this whole series out of its misery? Well, yeah, let's uh, let's do that. Uh, let's take a short break before we get into that. If you sure. don't mind, I will pause. All right, we are back from the break. Thank you for holding with us. You are awesome, princes of Maine princesses of Saskatchewan and lords of Chihuahua, Mexico. Anywho, before we get to the track by track, I just want to let you know, I spent the break uh, getting some of the Mountain Dew out of me, regretting many choices and telling my wife that that is the most revolting beverage I've ever drank in my life. She said, oh, sorry. Hmm. But you know, I appreciate her thinking of me and uh, all right, so let us talk about the track by track of Dr. Feelgood. As you can see, if you're watching this, I'm reading from the back of the record. Uh, it starts off with TNT, AKA Terror in Tinseltown. Dropped the needle this afternoon while I was making my chicken teriyaki and uh, California veggie medley stir fry and went, I thought this album started off with Dr. Feelgood. It does not. It starts off with a 45 second intro track, which is the bane of my existence, called Terror in Tinseltown, which is stupid. Not only is it stupid, they stole the, the sample from Operation Mindcrime, which came out a year earlier. Um, <sighs> Motley Crue does seem like a very insecure band that is always looking to see what everyone else is doing. So Aerosmith is back at this time. Def Leppard has Hysteria. That actual anniversary was this week, 35th anniversary of Hysteria. Bought that for my wife for Christmas a few years ago, the Gram Repress. Mind Crime comes out. Not a fan. All these bands are breaking big, and crew, granted, they sell huge, but they didn't have that record, right? That record that infiltrated. Correct. Even though yeah. it's hard to say that a record sold 4 million, or they had sold like 15 million records in, in seven or eight years. And they hadn't broken through the public consciousness. I'm not saying that, but I'm just saying like, or GNRs, like Appetite doesn't become big until this year, 89, even though it was yeah. out in 87. It took Appetite two years to get huge. But when it glue up, it glowed. So like, you know, again, crew sees themselves as like, we were before all these guys. Why are we not? Yeah, I, I'm actually currently reading nothing but a good time. You said the story of the Sunset Strip, and I haven't gotten to this part of the story with Motley Crue yet, but yeah, uh, going back to London, holy hell, everybody was in that band, including Izzy Stradlin and yeah. Duff and Slash. I'll but go back and listen to our first episode where we did the genealogy of London and everybody else. Fred but Curry, uh, it, yeah, so Motley Crue was like the first one in this new wave, and then all of a sudden, bands from that wave are blowing past them. So and yeah, I would imagine past them. Yeah, like yeah, I, I would say Appetite is better than any crew album until this one. That's not in, fair. This one. Is it's, it not fair? Uh, look, I love Doctor Feelgood. Uh, you know, spoiler yeah, I love alert. This record. I mean, I'll tell you now, I love this record. But 
if, if I'm being, I, I love Guns N' Roses outside of instruction way more. Uh, to the, I mean, my my entire family loves it except for the kid. To the point where my wife asked me once, "You didn't play that for her?" I'm like, "Do you not remember Mr. Brownstone, My Michelle?" It's so easy. She's like, "Oh, oh yeah." Can you skip no. those? No, not it's a record. Yeah, uh, but someday. Guns N' Roses is a, an album on par in the the American consciousness, like the Black Album, like Dark Side of the Moon. It, it's not fair. Black. Right. It's not fair to compare anything Motley Crue did, who yeah. were a wildly successful band. And they were wildly successful. To that album. That's just it's that's just not a very that that is rarefied air. It's in the same air as thriller i just feel like motley crew is a band always checking around them to see what everyone else is doing instead of just setting a bar and living there and that's you know maybe that's some insecurity with nikki because it's his band ultimately i don't know but they certainly they surely came through on this one uh correct so terrence and peace out not necessary don't rip off queens please and then yeah that's that's the that's the start of the record i could live without it too uh, then we move on to Dr. Feelgood, the title track, which, and this is, I believe it was the first single off the record because this, this was the an- announcement, the, the nuclelouche fastball announcing our presence with authority uh, moment where we're sober, we're calling out the drug dealers that we used to deal with, blah, blah, blah. The video is a movie about a, uh, it's basically a Southern California Scarface in the course of four minutes. And then for some reason in the mic, in the middle, Mick starts come play with Glock. And I don't know what he's saying there. Come play with something. Um, <laughs> still don't know. Heard that twice today. I have never looked at the lyrics to figure it out, but amazing song. This in, in we have given Vince Neil specifically often deserved criticisms during the course of this series there are more now, to come trust me there's more coming okay no there's not not from, on this song not from not on this side of the microphone uh but he kicks fucking ass mick kicks ass tommy theoretically mick possibly nikki but there is nothing there there is not a single thing about this song that i can say they didn't do well it's it's it is perfection. This is I, I've always been of the belief that every band gets one perfect song in their life. This is it for these correct. Guys. This is their Mona Lisa. This is their Fear Release. This is Cor- this is it. Correct. Uh, speaking of the Fear Release, I actually had that played as the Groom's March at my wedding on classical guitar. Interesting. By a man um, named Zoki. All right then. Um, still married. Impressive. So. That's a great tune. Shut up. Feel good. Here's the one wah wah because I gotta put a frown on everything. Do you know what hanging with the homeboys is? I'm gonna go with no. Okay, hanging with the homeboys is a 1991 comedy film, which was one of the debut things of Orlando Jones, John Leguizamo, and a bunch of other actors that are forgettable, and they. Paid Motley Crue to re-record Dr. Feelgood to the vocal lease of Hangin' with the Homeboys and re-record the song for the soundtrack to that movie. It is laughably bad. It is a terrible movie. It is a movie Metallica wouldn't even do. 
and they are shameless and horrible at this kind of marketing and kiss wouldn't even do it i think or i'm go maybe with the kiss dr pepper thing but even then i still think like they didn't No, if you if you give kiss 15 bucks they're gonna you're gonna when get 15 the, bucks worth of something when this podcast is over go youtube hang in with the homeboys theme song and listen with cringe and hear it because they should not have allowed this a couple of years after this came out. But anyway, okay. In fairness, there's a lot of things Motley Crue should not have allowed. Yeah, they might have needed the money, not for drugs, but they might have needed the money. Anyway, no, they song, were back. They were back on the drugs by the end of the tour. It, it's a ten by ten. It's a ten of ten song. Completely, for sure. Completely. Yeah. Uh, next, we move on to "Slice of Your Pie," and all I remember is kind of a bad chorus. So. Um, decent song, and the end of the song interpolates uh, She's So Heavy by the Beatles, because it kind of sounds like that, but I think this is something they ripped off from Enough's Enough, who was always, you know, sort of paying, tipping a hat to the Beatles in their music, because Chip's Enough is an obsessive Paul McCartney and Beatles fan, and, um, not original, but, like, it works. Here's where, I'm gonna say again, Vince, and it gets worse... I know that he thinks he's a great singer and he's feeling good and he likes to like vocalize and throw in ad lib. He's not that good to do that. He's not good enough to ad lib. He's not Robert Plant. He's not Steven Tyler. He's not. He's not even, honestly, he's not even Brian Johnson of ACDC in terms of that. Like he shouldn't be adding stuff. He should be doing less. Do less. You can barely hold a note. Do less. So do less slice smile pie, more slice your pie and worse in a couple of other songs he's like ma 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 and wah 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 and nah, 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 nah. i don't know what he's doing someone should have stopped him bob i'm looking at you you were there stop him this you know sound good. i i want to say something about how wrong you are and vince came through no he sings good no i i don't I need this extra shit though I want to. I want to say that this is wrong because I don't want to hear any negative. You know, it's 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 like singles, it's like the singer in the band and singles. I don't want to hear any negative. So no, no, just just read the good stuff. And he was ably backed by Stone and Jeff and Eddie. <laughs> but a good review is a, uh, for us. It's, it's a, for all of us, bro. Oh man! Remember, we're big in Denmark. I'm bummed out now, man. Anyway, so. But no, you're absolutely right. And this is the album where he's throwing in these little bits everywhere. Every song album. has them. I, yeah. And and again, I'm sure it's Bob. I'm sure Bob let him off the hook because Nikki wasn't there during the sessions to dog him. But Bob likes that. He does. He lets James. He made James do it too, actually. He didn't let James do yeah. it. Yeah. He he's like, do a yeah or a yeah. one more. Let it go. Yeah, don't worry he, about the strictures of measures. They don't exist. Yeah, he made James do that. And then now all of a sudden, everything James Hetfield does is, yeah. For the rest of our lives. But it's okay. Um, so Slice of Your Pie is a marginal song. And it's probably maybe the worst song on here. It is the worst song on here. And it's too early in the album for this song to be here. It should have been toward the end. This should have been track eight. Yeah, but I do like the Beatles thing. I, I like it works, even though they stole the idea for it. Okay, I, I'm not I'm not a giant Beatles fan. I am a, I mean honestly, I'm I'm only growing in appreciation for them now. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I I grew up with the idea of oh, I like things you've never heard of. I like Peruvian Catholic monk 
pagan chants. I mean, I'm, I was that big of a dick. And I mean, I'm not now. I mean, I'm still a dick. I'm a different way. But and so it's it was hard for me to even consider the Beatles. I do consider the Beatles to be a bit of a derivative band, but they were derivative of just the right people that no one's heard of in the way Elvis was derivative. <clears throat> anyway, not the point. Not unfair. Continue with the tracks. All right, let me grab the record. I won't again. less from here on out. I promise. No, it's fine. Except now we get to a song about Vince Neil's dick. Rattlesnake. Every shake. song about. Not Vince every song. I mean half. And Rattlesnake Shakes actually, as as far as songs about dicks go, this is up there with this is up there, not quite with Love Gun. But you know, it's not a bad track. It's 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 a good little kind of rock and roll boogie track. We talked about on Theater of Pain when you're playing blues is when you're out of ideas. Here we got boogie blues. Nobody does boogie blues when they're out of ideas. It just happens, it's natural. It's John Lee Hooker, it's canned heat, and apparently Mick fucking Mars somehow. Thoughts? This is an actually pretty good song with a great guitar part. A lot of guitar wankery, but I dig it. It goes with the time. Hey, in 1989, if you could not ejaculate out of your guitar's headstock, you weren't going gold. Nick, just go in there. Uh, yeah, it's a good one. It's a pretty. Of good course, one. I'm it's going above, there. It's Mo it's Motley Crue. It's Motley Crue. It's above average. It's above average for for this band and for this album. You know, maybe it's just really good because it comes right after Slice of Your Pie. It's, but. I would even argue to say it's probably the best non-single track on the record. How's that for a proclamation? It's a good song. Well, it's better than She Goes Down, but those we'll get other to that in a minute. Bad. Yeah, those we'll get to that in a minute. Those side two songs are, but okay. All right, moving on. Now we get to most arguably the Motley Crue song that everybody remembers. Not in good as good, in my opinion, as the title track, Dr. Feelgood, which is my favorite Motley Crue song not sung by John Karabi, because I'm still a gatekeeping, uh, you know, Tibetan monk dick. But this, you know, kickstart my heart. That is, we get Mick Mars on the talk box, which I believe is the first instance of uh, Martian talk boxing in the history of recorded music. I don't believe we've had any other Martians doing it. Correct me if I'm wrong. I don't even understand this. Mick wow. Mars, he's from Mars, obviously. Uh, okay. So it's it's Martian anyway. No, it's 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 an amazing song. It is the it it it, it has been overplayed. I, I think we can all agree about that. Mm. Agree on that. Excuse me. But you want to talk about riffs. You want to talk about a theme. You want to talk about a band declaring their new lifestyle. I don't know what a top fueled funny car is. Maybe that's maybe that's a, a racing phrase I'm not familiar with. Maybe it's fueling from the top. Not a, I don't know. But you know they're they're singing about their new life and they're singing it with conviction. They're playing with conviction, and I think that's the difference between Doctor Feelgood and every other Motley Crue record because for the first time. There is some self. There is some self awareness. There is some autobiographical. There are some autobiographical elements which we have not really had apart from the songs about their own dicks, which I don't really, frankly, need except for Tommy's dick. Because I mean, that's that's something. I wish I hadn't said that. Um, not editing it out. It's staying in because that's how we do this. Not because I'm lazy. Uh, 
but no, it, it's a truly amazing song. It's a great video. They it's a, it's a semi performance, semi concept, a great hybrid. And, you know, this is a song you're going to hear. It has become ubiquitous in American society. When you go to a hockey game, a baseball, any sporting event, and they need the crowd to get going behind the home team, they play this song. It has been in movies. It has been in sports games, sports ball games. Here's my take on this song. The song is amazing. Riffs for days. One of the best riffs and drum beats in the whole band's history. Arguably, oh, I hear I hear Keefe channeling the left. I hear Lester Bangs. Lester Bangs is coming. Keefe Bangs. Here's, Honest and unmerciful. Here's the problem with Kickstarter. Oh, Vince shit. had no way of knowing that 30 years later he can't sing this shit anymore. And so when you hear him try to do this now, he literally can't. No, 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 no. This is unfair. I have never said this to you. I we didn't let not, me finish my point, but okay. We're not when talking you, about... When you don't enunciate your words in the first place on the recording in 1989, it's going to even die. It's going to degrade worse and worse over the next 23 years. So why not kickstart my heart? Sounds like, kickstart my heart. And everybody makes fun of him because he sounds like he can't sing. So enunciate, which is something that Bob did with James. Okay. Cause he was not the king of not enunciating too much and now he does i mean so in i'm fairness, just saying like it's I a great knew. song it's probably if there's got a weak part to it it's the again why did he have to just why couldn't he just be like kickstart my heart why can't he just sing a note why can't he just hold a note why does he gotta like step stool up to a note because he's not that gonna singer sorry not sorry you're not wrong i'm being i'm piling on but okay here's what I'll i'm gonna stop do. after this no you're not <laughs> no i mean i mean there's really not much else to talk about the rest of the songs the three bad ones and the three good ones what's left let's so let's let's roll this back to 1981 oh no why which has nothing to do with my trying to finish this thing come on so mutt lang is in the studio with yes. def leppard now we have talked about def leppard here and there probably should do a run and would be a great run. However, Steve Clark. Indeed, R.I.P. Steve Clark. So you have Mutt Lang sitting in the studio with Joe Elliott singing Bring It On the Heartbreak. Mm. And he keeps saying, go higher, go higher, go higher. And that's what I envision happened that's fair. in this session. Is that the so, same thing with the dog whistle in uh, Bohemian Rhapsody with Roger? Is that the same? I'm same not thing? familiar with that story. Oh, okay. Another time then. But that this you is what I feel. Right. You might be right. This is what I feel like happened is that Bob Rock was trying to push Vince Neil into a new because he he was trying to do to Vince Neil and failed. What he succeeded doing with James Hetfield a year later. That's boom. Uh, yeah. Okay. Not yeah, untrue. Not untrue. Moving on. Without I'll you, be more complimentary from here on out. I promise, because I mean it. You have no, I mean, being as you don't really like this band, and I have full breaking fourth wall. Motley Crue has been on our agenda for the entire time we've done this. 
Mm. And Keefe has been. No, for a year. And finally, he acquiesced. So I'm going to give big thanks to my co host. Um, but in fairness, we did do Faith No More, whom I don't really much care for that much. So give and take, give and take. And I also am going to apologize for subjecting him to, wow, a lot, this whole series, basically, this whole series. But we are now in the gooey, buttery steak part. Not this song. This song is not part of that. <laughs> Without You is, you know, Molly Crew had no ballads on their first two records. Then Home Sweet Home Hits, and as we discussed in that episode, was the wasn't the birth of, but it was the it was the it was the tapping. It was the popularization that Eddie Van Halen did of two two handed tapping, and all of a sudden the power ballad becomes huge and it becomes a thing. And not only does it become a thing, but it becomes a requirement. It becomes English one hundred and one for every record, and. Molly Crew, however, could never do another one that was worth a damn. So they did one on Girls, 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 which was not one of the first two songs. So as we discussed, was crap. So now they do Without You. And Without You is, I mean, I'm being a bit unfair. I, I will turn my judgmental pendulum back to me. It's a bit unfair. Is it a bad song? No. Is it a great song? No. Is it cheesy schlock rock? Oh, God, yes. And the video is Egyptian. I, I really don't know what drugs the producer, the director on that was on on that one, because theoretically Motley Crue was not on any. Uh, I, I can't even think about how Egyptian um, symbolism was in the zeitgeist at the time. Just what happened there is, is it's a thing that happened, and Motley Crue did it. There was like a drinking out of a cup that was like swirling with purple shit. I mean, I don't know what the hell. Without you. Without Keefe, though, I'm nothing. So. Aw, well. Uh, without without you, I'd probably be a lot more bitter, angry, and judgmental. Um, here's a well, funny you're, story. You're, well, you're an active critic. I'm, I'm a the, retired For critic. the 30... No, not really. For yeah. the 30th anniversary of Feel Good, Motley Crue was on OzFest opening for Ozzy as the penultimate band. And actually the final three bands were Halford Solo, Crew doing all of Feel Good and a few other hits, and Ozzy. And I'm gonna tell you, as a not huge fan of Without You, when the uh, Tweeter Center, whatever it's called now, in Massachusetts, Southern Massachusetts, near the Rhode Island border, when Without You broke out and the lighters came out, it was quite a great moment. And Vince sang well, and they played well. And, um, you know, it was kind of a thing. It was like, oh, you know, this isn't too terrible. This is okay. This is pretty okay. Uh, and, you know, in terms of it's their second best ballad, because their other one is Home Sweet Home, one of the best ever, they, you know, I don't blame them for trying it again. I, I can completely understand that. And is it awful? No. <clears throat> Is it necessary? Debatable. Fair. Fair enough. Continue. 
Reeling with the feeling. Don't stop. Continue. Pause, please. Oh, no. I, I want this to be over so bad. I don't. All right. Okay. I am drinking away the Mountain Dew. You're going so, to have to uh, Trader Joe's simpler times longer. Six bucks for a 12 pack. That's pretty good, bro. Uh, now we're going to kick it over to side two because I'm a vinyl hipster. Although my, if you're friends with me on Facebook, you will see my vinyl album is called I'm Not a Hipster. Everyone I know disagrees with that assessment. However, uh, so this starts off with same old situation and shit. You know, hair bands need a few things to be proper hair bands, right? Songs, you need certain kinds of songs. You need your declaration song, Kickstart My Heart. You need your uh, courting controversy song, Shout at the Devil. You need your youthful exuberance song, Too Fast for Love. You need your kick-ass, super sentimental power ballad, Home Sweet Home. And what else do you need? You need your party-ass sing-along song. Same old situation. Now, does same old situation say anything anyone needs to hear? No. Is it lyrically good? No. Is it melodically, vocally good? Yes! This is probably Vince Neil's shining moment as a vocalist. And he does like slides, he does vibrato that doesn't sound like Eddie Vedder much. I don't like Pearl Jam, I don't like Eddie Vedder, I'm sorry. He sings an octave up, an octave down. He sounds good. If you only heard this song, you would be like, yeah, Vince Neil can sing. Yes, you would. If you were on the pod, but maybe I don't know. No, it's a he's, good song though. He sings well on this one. Everybody does great. It's a fun video. I'm actually surprised it wasn't a bigger hit. Actually, it is a single. It was a single released. It was a hit. I remember this one being. This is the biggest hit I recall from the time. I remember seeing this video constantly, and well, the video is, was on constantly. It's true. And this is the first time we saw Tommy Lee in a thong. With suspenders, because I don't know what was going on there, but... I suddenly need a baby bottle brush to rub out my ear <laughs> and burn my eyes out with hot pokers. Go ahead. It was sequined. I watched the video today. Banana and this is Anyway. Yeah. Well, he's got... I don't know if banana is the right word. I mean, what's like a three-foot-long vegetable? Eggplant. Eggplant. <laughs> Legitimate eggplant emojis. Tommy Lee was the original eggplant. Like legitimately an eggplant. Legitimately an eggplant. All right. Purple and huge. Yeah. Anyway. We've all seen the movie. We have. Um, so good song, good video, ubiquitous everywhere. On MTV at the school hour. Like it was on MTV at like 10 a.m. on a Saturday. And this is, it's, 
I, I I don't know if it was the first time ever, but I did like that they passed the camera around in the clear beach ball. That was I did like that. I love that. The, the, all the the goofy camera shit and the way they did it by showing they broke fourth wall and didn't break. And they they, they would show the dude. They would film the dude pushing a camera on a pallet jack, and then they would switch to his view. And they would show Vince walking with the camera on the zero gravity arm. And then he would throw, I mean, it was a really well, it is probably the most well done performance video of all time. Not, not to mention in the era before GoPros, you got the 360 Tommy in the cage, right? That's in that video too, for the first time. No. No? no I'm thinking of a different video? That's in, uh, that's off of Girls, Girls, Girls. Okay. The, but they did show Tommy in, in this, uh, on this tour, Tommy's drum, that was the first time Tommy's drum set flew over the audience and so he would so they showed little clips of that him uh there was a track where it would go up like uh peter chris's drum set and then go forward i think it's fair to say that everyone in this band were fans of kiss except for mick mars who i think really was but won't admit it i'm gonna leave that there let, i'm gonna let that i'm gonna let that breathe a bit you gonna let it hang in the air he hates them anyway go ahead he hates uh, that Nikki loves them so much. I don't think he hates them. I think he hates that Nikki is obsessed with Paul and Gene. Well, and and Tommy Lee wore cat whiskers. Yeah. For the first couple of years on one side of his face. So, I mean, the showmanship of, of you know, my wife and I have argued about Kiss many times because I'm a jackass. And I like picking fights about nothing because fights about something is bad. And so we're, we're at a hair metal show. I forget which one, because we've been to all of them. When we were dating, I'm like, you like heavy metal, right? And she heard you like hair metal, right? So enthusiastically, yes. You want to see King Diamond? No. What? So, but we were already together at that point. I couldn't back out. But, so I'm like, I don't understand how you hate Kiss. These guys are their children. I mean, you know, the 80s Sunset Strip was, I mean, that is the children, those are direct descendants of Kiss. And where was I going with this? I don't remember. Um, I'm just rambling at this point on this one. But this was also the first time we got the the severe introduction to the two ladies they had on stage, which I don't know if they could sing because the live performance was not really a live performance as much as it was you know, whatever. It's not like uh, what were their names? Stacy and Roberta from Guns N' Roses. One of them was Roberta. I know that. But we got to see Motley Crue in a very different way, but from a same the same lens. Fair enough. Um, yeah, that's that's a lot on that song, but it's a good song. I wouldn't kick it out of bed. I wouldn't throw it off the record. It's one of the best songs on here. Uh. Who is who, who's feeling like their belly is not a six pack and a little bit soft? Who? Because because not all of us because we are now headed to the soft underbelly. Oh, the soft underbelly. Here we go. Okay, I didn't I didn't get uh, the reference. I I don't know if that was any. I don't know if it was any good. Uh, we go on to sticky sweet now. Ugh. <clears throat> not as good as slice of your pie. Somehow not as good. Does have backing vocals on the song by Steven Tyler because Aerosmith was in the next studio. Bob Rock studio is sharing time with was it Bruce Fairbairn? Fairbairn? Yeah, yeah. Who was Fairbairn. Pump by Aerosmith at the same exact time as Feel Good. 
and the bands hung out and partied or didn't party but hung out because Aerosmith is still partying. And uh, no, they were sober at this point. Were they sober? Permanent vacation. They they got sober before permanent vacation. Oh, okay. The, well, Stephen and Nikki are very close friends apparently, and so the, they got Stephen to be on the record. Uh, permanent vacation was an an allusion to a permanent vacation from drugs. Um, life Correct. <laughs> i think from life if you don't stop doing them but okay mm, yeah i have a good permanent vacation story someday for another pod um and then we move on to another song about a dick mm-hmm. uh and not as good as the first one mm. you know you can't have too many songs about your own cock on a, on a record i'm sorry you can have too many songs about your own cock on a record uh it, two i think is too many so we have She Goes Down for hours. She Goes Down, She Goes Down. Okay. Um, not a very deep band. These guys are not readers. You know what I'm saying? Their bookshelves uh, would not have books on them. That's what I'm trying to say. You know, Crash is a real smart guy. I once saw him read a book without pictures in it. And anybody in this group. Uh, that song, again, soft underbelly. You got to stick. You you gotta stick the filler somewhere, and it always goes in the same spot. Uh, right there, two and three on side two. You know an album is great when those songs are good. Okay, that's fair. Uh, moving this on. This is to still a-, a great album, and these songs are not good. These particular two are the third and second and third worst songs on the album, besides "Slice of Your Pie." Um, uh, agreed. There's there's three. There, there's one iffy song, which is "Slice of Your Pie." Two bad songs, and it, they're they're in the bad song spot. I mean, that's, you know, you put why true. does your catch you, you your catcher bats eighth for a reason? Well said, sir. That's that's the best line of the week. The catcher bats eighth for a reason. Thank um, you. Then we move on to another MTV Super Smash mega crushing hit. Which might have been a premonition. What is it? Uh, don't go away, mad. Just go away. Oh, I love it. Supposedly a callback to an earlier song. According is it? To I don't know. I don't know this story. Supposedly the lyrics are a nod to uh, an early uh, "Too Young to Fall in Love." like actually a, there's a lyric that references the the song i don't think anybody pays enough attention to motley crew lyrics no, to notice a callback be. you should um look you know it one of the conversations we've had about I, i've had about kiss with people many many times is when i complain about lyrics like rocket ride and i'm told why are you complaining about lyrics look there's a limit deuce is one thing let me go rock and roll is one thing, but charisma is another. Mm. You can only you can only fall so far before I'm gonna before I'll stop catching you. I had that single anyway, and I love, oh, I love Rocket Ride actually, but okay. I love um, the song. I hate the lyrics. Yeah, yeah. I did a but, like a little. Uh, I don't I don't think you saw it or you would have mentioned it. It was done for your benefit, and you didn't catch it. It was uh, I do a thing every week in the Ghost Cult Weekly Ritual. Whether you can catch something or you can catch me on the Glacial Musical Podcast. I do. So, I so last week I did. You can catch a rocket ride and I did the two thumbs. Oh, I missed. No, I missed that one. You can catch a rocket ride if you know the Phantom of the Park movie with the two thumbs. 
And so then, much for my solo. That's okay. Yeah. I have that on VHS. I'm I have it too somewhere. Yeah. On VHS? Um, yeah. I don't have a VCR, unfortunately. I also have the Star Wars like <laughs> holiday special on VHS. Wow. Okay. Definitely uh, I definitely have it. Um, yeah, man. Don't go away, man. It's not a bad song. It's another pretty good one. It's almost a clone of same old situation, like the entire exact song done over in a different way. Just like let's write two of those. Okay, we got two of those. Yeah. Well, that's Motley Crue in a nutshell. It is, but it's not a problem. It actually, it's uh, it's probably the bottom rung of all those singles. But fairly, no, I you don't like without you. I would put without you ahead of this. All right, that's personal opinion is personal opinion, like a slight, a slight notch. And then, uh, yeah, take us on home, daddy, because shoot this thing in the face. Uh, this whole series, uh, time for change. I have no fucking clue. Time for change is like they wrote it. I don't know who Donna McDaniel is, but she co wrote the song with Nikki, and it's like literally some. The wall, glass nosed, something like that. Like, you alluded to politics in the theater of pain episode. Is this that? Maybe, yeah, might be. Because I have um, no recollection of Motley Crue ever, ever being a political being. You said this. I think no, this is like trying ever to be being that. outside of their own room. Yeah, this is them trying to do that and not doing well. You know what? Uh, Write what you know. Yo, write what you know, and if all you know is TNA, write TNA, TNA, TNA. But that's, you know, whatever. Um, that's why Dr. Feelgood was so was such an amazing song. Somehow, they knew they were trying to get sober. And Time for a Change is less bad than Sticky Sweet, She Goes Down, or Slice of Your Pie. Which Slice of Your Pie is still, like, decent because of that ending. S- Slice of Your Pie is not... I, I, I don't not remember horrible. what I said earlier. Is it terrible? No. no. Is it bad? No. None of this is terrible. Just some of it's not as good. The highlights are so high in this one rare case for this band that the other stuff is very flat. You know, that 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 is a really great point because, frankly, uh, let me get the track listing back so I get the names right. Uh, also, in the Theater of Pain, we were talking about Coed and Cambria. The album that I could not remember the name of was not The Color and the Shape. It was, in fact, The Color Before the Sun. <laughs> Which makes even less sense. I don't know. Uh, Sticky Sweet, She Goes Down. You put those on Girls, Girls, Girls. They would be the the best songs on there beside the first couple. Right. And immediately you could make that an EP. Yo. So this this is just to clarify. Yeah, this is still a great album. I would almost give this an eight or a nine, which would be the best album Motley Crue has ever done. Uh, Uh, I still love Shout at the Devil. I have a soft spot in my heart for that one. I don't know if I'm willing to go. We're going to go out of 10. No, no, not a 10, but maybe a no, 9. No, if we're going out of 10. Yeah. And Molly Crew is, a, is, is like Kiss in a very specific way. They're not an album band. Mm. They're a singles band. So we had talked about previously how Theater of Pain... I'm sorry, I listened back to the episode today, so I remember it really well. And how that album changed rock and metal into a singles-oriented That's thing not again. unfair. I will say that this is the record with the most hit singles the band has. This is the best-sounding produced record. This is the best. The good songs on here are written the best of the whole band's career, almost. Dr. Feelgood is arguably the best Motley Crue song. You can make a case that it is. 
I don't know what you would put ahead of it. Home Sweet Home. Me? The Devil. Nothing. No, that I is... I feel that it's the best song Motley Crue has ever made. This album is the best sounding Correct. album. It's the reason it's enduring. It has sold the most copies still. 10, 10 15 million of this album alone. Right, it's all and 10 million. It's contemporarily. So, and one of the things we didn't mention was it's the right length. Okay, now, yeah. Yeah, we discussed, but, yeah. I think it was last week, we discussed what is the length of an album. And... I still stick with personally an album is 28 to 45 minutes. Anything past that is, you know, then there's the triple sided record, the double record, whatever. And 45 minutes has just always been that number because most of recorded music has been based off of a 33, a 12 inch 33. Okay. So that, that, that became the term. And so their next album, which has songs I like better than the songs on this one which we're not going to get into that. If you want to really hear my thoughts, check out the Department of Mental Antiquities, where Duncan and I went deep on the self-titled. You should the, link that in the description of this video. Link that episode. I the, I want you to. Um, the, or I'll link the, it in the YouTube, actually. Maybe people will click to it. That would be fun. But the, um, the, the biggest issue with that album was the length. It was about... It, it was 60 minutes. Yeah, and they that's... Don't, they don't do well. It's too many, the, too many minutes. Six, there are very few albums that go six, six. When you go 60 minutes, only one person I know can do that consistently and do well. His name is Robert Plant. So if you're not in that, if you're not breathing the Robert Plant air, edit, edit, yeah, edit. This record has no songs above five minutes, which is a feat into itself, two under four. I mean, when we're talking about radio, right? It doesn't yeah. matter. Length, length doesn't really matter. A good song is a good song. A well-written song is a well-written song. Uh, Feel Good is almost five minutes, and it, you know, it should be. Kickstart My Heart is almost five minutes, and it should be. And Don't Go yeah. Away is almost five minutes. Uh, although I would... I, I, allow me to blaspheme, mm -hmm. if you don't mind. If I could blaspheme in, the, if I could blaspheme in here. Uh, Kickstart My Heart could have been... They could have... They could have tucked that back to four, and that's probably or a three. Better. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't. It's that be. long ending, right? It the doesn't. Out, the outro. I also, I will also just jump back for one last second and say, you know what? Time for a change reminded me of when I first heard it. Mata Hoople, carry the news, right? All the mm. young dudes, whatever. Like that's the song yeah. that that song is trying to be, and failing. But it's still better than the worst things on here. And again, like you really can't. Look, this is one of those chiseled in stone. 80s records it's the end of the decade but it really was the the sort of you know best last gasp of the decade correct 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 you said what i was going to say let me finish my previous point because i you can wrap gotta... this up in a bow i'm done with my no we're, we're not done yet we gotta we gotta we gotta hit the tour sorry oh, no no we're doing it um this album is about 40 minutes long and there is no hair metal record i've ever heard where i turned it off and went you know what i need three more tunes and so it's certain there are just certain things that only last so long kiss in the 70s 30 minutes that's all you needed so i want to really point out that they really stuck within the medium and i think sticking within the medium gives you a better you know like i said triple-sided records typically come out where there's a lot more filler than is required and how many I love albums. I mean, I have 1,200 records. I love listening to a complete piece. And 
I could probably count on two hands how many records are the right length. So Fair. big kudos to them for doing it the right length. So now, like the Black Album, it, this is a bit uh, which comes out two years later. Two, three? It was 91 or 92? 91, Not right? Late 91, yeah. August 91. Okay, August 91. So it comes out two years later, we get the Black Album. And like the Black Album, this is a bit of a phenomenon. Not to the extent, no, about the right, contemporarily, just the Black Album sold, kept going. So what happens when you have a phenomenon album? You keep releasing singles, which is how we got six singles out of one, two, three, four, five, six, Seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, eleven tunes, and one of them is forty-five seconds. So six singles out of ten. And as as they keep selling, you keep releasing, you keep pushing, and as they keep selling, you keep touring. So I think it's only fair because I love it to discuss the set list. So I know keep. Keefe is not a big fan of this part of the show. I'm not a big fan of this because I love this. I just wish it wasn't at the end because I'm done with this band. We have to do it at the end. You can't do it before the... (laughs) You can't do the set list before the tour. That's dumb. I know. you. Look, just let me do this and then we can be done, okay? Okay. So, uh, Kickstart My Heart. Awesome. Red Hot. Okay. Rattlesnake Shake. I don't know. Too too young to fall in love. Shout of the Devil. Live Wire. And chime in when you hear something that surprises you. I mean, I don't think, I mean, we just talked about how we liked Rattlesnake Shake. I don't think it's, it's on their brand new album. I don't think it's bad that it's an early. No, I'm, album. I'm just saying anything that surprises you. <clears throat> okay, sure. I have not gotten surprised yet. No. So, uh, uh, Shout of the Devil, Live Wire, same old situation. Slice of Your Pie, Guitar, Drum, Looks That Kill, Smoking in the Boys Room, Wild Side, Girls, 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 Home Sweet Home, Dr. Feel Good, and Jailhouse Rock. I so. love that cover, man. Oh, it's gross. And in they played 97 times, no encores. Wow, okay. Yeah. Well, you know, remember when I said I was not surprised? I'm, I am now. Yeah, so, well, that's, yeah, I mean, the set list is like a greatest hits. It's a fucking great set during list. Great set I, I, can, I, can I, have I could leave during the cover and get to the parking lot early. They're definitely playing arenas now, right? Like they have yeah, Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah, Jailhouse Rock. I uh, Have we heard that? No, but was that it was the bonus on any of the records? The record. It's the bonus track on oh. the last record, and they love it. You know what I don't need? Awful. I don't need that. I don't need Elvis anything. Uh, I saw the movie. It was great. So I'm going to try to like listen to this one record I've got. I need, I need to see it. I love Graceland. I will say that. I need to see the Elvis movie. I just Amazing can't movie. Get out, can't get out of the house. I think. It's no, I hear, I hear you. I hear you. The new but, Brad Pitt movie is coming out t- tomorrow or today. And it's going to push the Elvis movie out of the theaters probably. And that's what happens. So. Okay. I thought we were going to compliment Brad Pitt for a second there. Anyway, moving no, on. No, so, uh, He's, he's even from Missouri, so. He's just cool. bad at what he does. He's just really attractive. He's one of the best actors ever. No, he, I was talking about this to one of my coworkers today when we went on our two-mile lunch walk because that little sun lizard moves fast. Look, look at this face. 
Picture Brad Pitt doing it and tell me what eight movies you just pictured. None. None. You're, you're so, wrong. You're wrong. No, I'm not. I'm, I'm, no, not on this one. I've been wrong. So great set list for the tour. Great record. Uh, I, I guess we should wrap this up with somehow now everything goes to shit. Thoughts? Um, yeah, the wheels fall off. I don't know if it was the sobriety attempt. I don't know. You said they were not sober by the end of the tour. They were back to partying. Vince, when does Vince bail? What happens exactly? Was there an incident? I don't remember. No one knows. He just was like, I quit. No. That's what Nikki says. Vince says he was fired. In the behind the music, Vince says, what did Nikki say? I legitimately He's, don't remember. He says, he what says, did Nikki say? Yeah, he says, I was fired. And they go to Nikki and he goes, Vince quit. Then they go to Mick. And Mick goes, eh, something happened. I don't know. <laughs> Sounds like him. So Tom's no, like, I'm just here to party, bro. Why can't my, we be friends? Look at my party. I'm going to play the drums with my dick. <laughs> Boom. Boom. Tell me he didn't do not, it. He did, but I'm still not drunk enough for this. Anyway... <laughs> The, the wheels fall off. Vince leaves. And rather than then the break golden, up, which is what they, they should have the, broken up. Then the golden era of Motley Crue begins. You really can't say that after we spent all five weeks on this, dude. You really can't. Um, I love John Karabi, and I like those records. Record. Whatever. <laughs> I, I like him. Supposedly there's a like unreleased record. I like him. A lot. No, the unreleased record was Generation Swine. Okay. For more information, see the Department of Mental Antiquities. Yeah, they they probably should have just... Also, broke don't up. listen to it. Oh, fuck. They should have just broke up. Karabi's talented, and he's good. They treated him poorly. They were playing a nobody. They had to get Vince back for the money. He didn't want to come back. They don't like each other. Like They're just not friends. It's a business... They're stuck with each other. It's not show friendship. It's the it's the music business, not the music friendship, as I like to say. Copyright Keefe. So, yeah, I mean, like, did they ever need to come back? I don't know. Yeah, I've said before, if you've never seen Motley Crue, go see Motley Crue and say you saw them. But it's not going to be a good time. If you love music and you really care about, if you're uh, anal retentive and you love music performance and you want the best band in the world... It ain't Motley Crue. However, for those singles, and I don't know if you want to say 10, 15 singles over this first decade are unbelievably great and essential to rock history. Um, and they do put on a great show. It's like Kiss Without the Makeup. I would say that till I'll die on that hill. Okay. Um, but it ain't but it ain't good it ain't a good performance. And this here's guy's not what, a good singer. Here's what I'm gonna say. I'm gonna disagree with Keefe. I have seen Molly Crew at least twice. I mm. don't know. Maybe there was a third time. I don't know. My wife and I might have gone twice. I don't know. At least once. And she begged me to go. By begged me, she said, Nick, buy tickets. And then she begged you to leave. Yes, she did. So for anyone who did not listen, this is not just any Molly Crew tour. <clears throat> we are at the farewell tour. This is it. They come out. We'll see. Their we'll hope see. is that it's going to be like a GNR where it's a never-ending farewell tour. No, I'm talking about 2015. 
Oh, okay. Yeah, though that tour. Oh, I didn't yeah. even so yeah, I was just like the Molly Crew farewell tour. They come out to Saints of Los Angeles. They Saints. wrote none of that record. Duty. <laughs> I mean that was the that was the first. Yeah, they song. couldn't they couldn't they couldn't be barely play. No, we're all out of shape. Uh, and they, that album's not terrible. They didn't write all of it. They didn't write any of it actually. They wrote wife, of it. She looks at me and she says, "Can we leave?" Jesus. First track, first song, and I'm like, "Can we like at least wait this out a minute?" Nope. So next song looks a killer. I don't remember what it was. It was better, and she's looking at me like. She was the reason why we were there. And she was like, this is awful. So if you have not seen Motley Crue, don't. Um, I could not. And I saw them before now when Tommy was playing the drums. And it was awful. Bad. Yeah. I will say this. Here's a few things. This podcast was enhanced by the fact that I read the reread the dirt a few years ago before the dirt movie came out and i don't know if i thought i was going to get like a documentary version of the dirt instead of the funny dirt i like the dirt funny dirt and the and the dirt song and a couple of songs they wrote for that madonna covers terrible but um don't make don't do covers motley crew don't cover these things it's not there's no i like that they left out the phone story with the groupie yeah it's just like this isn't clever or good but um the book is good the dirt show for what it is is the Netflix movie is good. It definitely sparked interest in them. I don't know that people who never saw Metallica are now going to want to run out and see Metallica, and they're going to have to for- be forced back into playing like a hundred shows a year because of Stranger Things. First of all, I don't think they can do it, and they don't want to do it. Certainly, James doesn't want to. They, do it. they will not do it. But I think like that's in Motley Crue's mind. The dirt was such a big hit, the book and the movie that they had to come out of retirement. But I still think, again, this is a band, what is GNR doing? What is Def Leppard doing? What is Metallica doing? Why are they, why is there gays? Why can't they just be satisfied with what they've done? Tommy can make his horrible rap rock music. Nikki can do 6AM or whatever he wants to do, audio books. 6AM is terrible. Mick can do nothing. Um, The one song that 6AM has that wasn't written by them is really good. And the rest of it is garbage. Uh, again, butt rock. You ask what butt rock is? 6 a.m. is butt rock. Um, red state rock music. And uh, I don't know, Look, man. It's, I, I'm we, conflicted. I like I love some of this Motley Crue stuff. But it's like, yeah, Vince is like just the worst. Uh, in the studio, it's, it's up and down. On stage, it's always down. It's, He's never she, been good. You know, on stage, she goes down. No, they go down. <laughs> they go down. Vince goes and, down. Yeah, Vince goes down and down and down. literally has fallen on stage multiple times. I'm sad that this... I, like, I don't revel and enjoy this. This has been punching down a lot, this series. We have punched down more on this series than any other series, and that includes no, Quiet Riot. No, no. We punched down way more on Quiet Riot. We had to, though. It's like, I mean, we, we listened We were to- talking about canceling the second half of that series at one point, and you made me. Like, you don't want to do the 93 record? No, I don't. It's much better. No. We didn't no. do 90. No, we didn't do 90. We went, we did uh, one through yeah, one, four. Yeah, one, two, three, one through four. And, and, and shit, three. Not I wish I hadn't. Two. I bought three for that series. Yeah, well. Give you know what I regret? Buying three for that series. I understand. Um, but, anywho, so, I'm glad we about, did the crew. 
I'm the glad thing you about persisted. I'm sorry. I'm trying to get my point in. Uh, and <laughs> the thing about Molly Crew is for me, because uh, Keefe, excuse me, Keefe is a little bit older than me. And in 2022, that age difference is nothing. But in 1982, 1983, that age difference is significant. Keefe learns about Metallica during, I believe, ju- uh, Lightning. I didn't hear about Metallica till Justice. So he, where Keefe is cutting his teeth on amazing records like P-Cells with Who's Buying and Ride the Lightning and whatever. Mm-hmm. And Among the Living, thank you. That's the Anthrax record. I'm cutting my teeth on Shout at the Devil, Metal Health, these kinds of things. So Motley Crue has a much bigger place in my heart than Keefe does. However, nostalgia goes only so far. And I can objectively look at Motley Crue and say, "Ah, like Kiss, 60% of their catalog is abject crap. And... 60% 60% of what we listen to in this series, the classic Motley Crew is crap. You know, if Girls, Girls, Girls is their third best record and it's almost no, unlistenable. No, it is not. You don't think so? No. Okay. No, Girls, Girls, Girls had two songs. Yeah, I know. Okay, so if I'm going to rank them. Oh, uh, here we go. Yeah. Too Fast for Love is a six. Shout at the Devil is a seven. Theater of Pain is a five. Girls, Girls, Girls is a two. No, come on. It had, no ten, it had 10 tracks and had two good songs. That doesn't mean it's a two. That's not that how means you judge it. No, 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 no. That doesn't mean it's a two. It's a five or a six because those two songs are two of their best songs. And the ones that are bad are not fuck terrible like on the other albums. They're just bad. They're just plain old not great, but they're not unlistenable. They're just not it's, very good. It's important to know how a critic grades things to help you see things the right way yeah the wrong way your way anyway <laughs> and then and to me feel good is at least an eight if not i i would give feel good an eight because yeah much like michael jordan dr feel good kickstart my heart same old situation punch the level of the album up higher than it probably should be agreed i mean those songs are i would put them up with most metallica's classic tracks those two songs Kickstart and feel good. Yeah. Okay. That, that's argue. up there with a, a lot on justice and, and puppets, okay. and it's definitely better than some songs off of Lightning. Maybe. I don't Escape. Know. I don't think so. I think Metallica's way higher. But okay. you think you think feel good is worse than Escape? No, but like whatever. That, that's all that's I said. One terrible song in their first five albums. One, like that's Trap- the one. Uh, tra- a lot of I know people who hate most of Kill. I met somebody online who was like, "It's funny to hear you stand all these Kill 'Em All songs that are awful." I was like, "What?" Yeah. So you meet weird people on Twitter. Don't make friends. Wait, what? Yeah. Somebody what? was like, "Most of Kill 'Em All is not good. It's a rip off of Motorhead. Mustaine wrote the half of it that's good and took the other half with him." And I was like, Meh. "Okay." I like drugs too, but not that I much. I love drugs. This person, I think, is straight edge. But anyway, oh, I... There you go. Um, yeah, again, I, I, I don't think an album is... A t- first of all, like you couldn't grade an album's grade based on how many songs are on it because some songs have seven songs and some songs have 16. Uh, so 
I Look, if, I, if, if I'm going to go pass or fail out of 10. Okay, that's fine. But like, they it's passed not a two. two. It's not a two is a little egregious, don't you think? Okay, okay, four. No, that album is still that album is still a failure because I can't listen to it. Okay. Could you drop the needle on that record? Don't drop your needles. What? Don't drop the needle. Okay, if you could hydraulically lower your needle down (laughs) with the lever. Place the lever down. No, you know you gotta. I I use my jiggy. If you could pull the little lever that slides the needle down. Would you listen to that whole record? Would you sit? Any of this ever again. <laughs> like, would you sit down like? and listen to Girls, Girls, Girls? I listened to those first two songs on repeat. Those two are bangers. No, I I, the, the album I would beer, take it out metal, once in a while. swearing side of vinyl. I would take it out once in a while and hear it. It's it's like a five the whole, or six. The yeah. whole thing. Yeah, it's not a four. It, maybe it's a four. It's a two is too mean. Come on. I could never listen to that whole record. Which right. that makes it. We did me. though, several times. Okay, I did that for you I, and the I listeners. You, think you did it for yourself. You didn't do it for me. You don't do me. No, anything. I did not do that for me because I regretted every moment of that. So I cannot. I would never sit down to listen to that album start to finish again. That album is eighty percent of that album is terrible. So maybe two is a bit egregious because the title track and the next one are great songs. Top ten, top ten songs. So my like this. The funny thing about feel good. Agreed. The funny thing about feel good is like these five singles are like in the top ten or twelve ever Motley Crue songs. Yeah, if you take out, it's so heavy loaded. Yeah. By comparison to everything else, I'm not deflecting my own opinion, but I'm just saying like this record is so good by comparison to everything else. How it sounds, how it was played, how it was made, how it was recorded. They should have just made every record like this from now on. Agreed. And again, you know, we we had mentioned the correlations to the Black Album. I would think your average Metallica fan, who's not me, would say that the Black Album of their six singles. Four of them are top 10 Metallica tunes. Mm. And so you have Bob Rock coming in, taking a band at a great level. And he did it with the cult and he did it with Veruca Salt. He was yeah. given like at the time when every, every record was being made by Butch Vig or, you know, uh, Steve Albini, they gave him one of those, you know? So like, you know, respect. So respect. Bob Rock comes, yeah, Bob Rock comes in and kicks the crap out of this and makes him I just think, Makes, like, if you stay too long with him, it's diminishing returns. That's my continued opinion of Bob Rock. If you stay, like, ten years with him, it's a mistake. Two years, three years, two, three, hey, four a, hours. a producer is like a coach in a sports team. It only, it, only wor- it only works for so long. And, yeah, that is completely true. Joe Torre got four World Series rings, and then they fired him, the Yankees. So, you know, you already know, Lou Piniella, you already know. Hey, the catcher for the Cardinals? He, he played for the Cardinals. Also managed the Cardinals before going to uh, the Yankees and winning a shit ton of championships. But, you know, mm-hmm. I'm not bitter. Uh, we didn't have any money then, so it's fine. But, Torch. you know, yeah, he, yeah. Uh, you can only go so far with a producer. You know, Bob Ezrin produced three albums for Kiss out of their 20. Uh, Cooper, Cooper's two best records are Bob Ezrin. Right. Floyd's best record, or, or, or maybe not best record, but, like, the record everybody hangs on as the thing they remember about Pink Floyd. He's the he's the mastermind of yeah for sure. Right, and but I mean you think about that when you have somebody that comes in like Bob Rock. Anyway, I'm I'm sorry I'm gonna actually drop that because there's no 
There's no defending. <laughs> he's good. He's good. Bob Rock is really great. He's good. It's okay. Correct. We're, we're going on and on. Um, tie this thing in a bow and put us out of our misery. I'm begging you. I want to go eat some wings and some blue cheese and drink this beer and, you know, call it a, and, call it a, and, call it a series. And stop talking about Molly Crew. Are I we get ready? That. Are we going to, and then we'll announce our, our next series. I don't well, know not, what we're going to do with the chaser we, because we're losing our guest for next week, but we'll, right, well, we announced, we announced those. Two. Well, we'll announce that now. So right. uh, go ahead. You go ahead and announce the chaser. It is your choice. It is your pick. Oh, the chaser is my pick now. No, not the chaser. The, the, oh, series. the series. Okay. Our next series, which is my choice following this abomination of Motley Crue stuff that I don't regret, but in a way, a little bit I do, is going to be Body Count. Ice T's Body Count. He's got the record there. It does not have Cop Killer on it, but we're going to talk a lot about Cop Killer. It may get uncomfortable for some of you if you're a bootlicker. Um, I'm a huge Ice T fan. Wow. And, uh, yeah, I'm just going to go there. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's good. We're going to either gain a lot of fans or lose a lot of fans on this next series because I'm not going to hold back anything. But um, All right. I'm a big Ice-T fan. And actually, my very my next to last public event between March 2020 and September 2021 was Ice-T's listening party for Carnivore, which I got a picture with him. And he like it's in my profile picture on some of my socials where he's hugging me. So, uh, yeah, I'm a fan. But I also, I think I think Body Count's a really fascinating, interesting band, worth talking about. We're probably gonna do a handful of records, not five, but like three or four. Three, then, three or four, yeah. And 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 we might just do like the first couple and skip to the most recent couple just to be shake it up. I'm not sure yet. We might if it's my choice. I don't know because these last couple have been amazing. You you call it? I have uh, the self without cop killer. And I've got Carnivore, so whatever you want to do past okay. that, we might. I've, we I've might got uh, I've got Manslaughter on CD somewhere. Manslaughter's good too. And then Very the Chaser good. is that you? Do you want to? Yeah, well, uh, gonna we're going to do a chaser? chaser. We're going to feature a guest out of uh, Kanja, uh, Canada, Western Canada. We will uh, announce Kanja. I'm sorry, what? Um, Kanja. Look, this is this. It's been a long podcast. I drank the shittiest fucking thing I've ever yeah. had in my life. And I had like 40, 18 ounce. I don't know. It was awful. So we, we don't announce chasers. We, don't we have a chaser too. coming about live records. Okay. We Actually, we did announce this before it failed. So theoretically. Are we going to do another chaser? Or are we going to still get our chaser in with the lives with our guest? Nah, we don't know yet. We don't know yet. I guess we'll figure it out. Okay. No. Nick, take us home or say something final about Motley Crue. I'm done mentally, so you go right ahead. It's all you now. I want to apologize for the fact that we have uh, lost the plot, but when dealing with Motley Crue for over a month, I, I think that's fair. I, I think that we cannot be looked down upon for uh, getting beaten into delirium, but we have gone through Motley Crue of the 80s, their classic era, the good, the bad, the ugly, and we are done with Motley Crue. We did not do the top 10 as we discussed, because fuck it, we've said enough, but thank you very much for listening. If you have made it this far, you are a king, a prince, or the female pharaoh, Cleopatra, whichever, perhaps Catherine the Terrible, who has cut off Ivan's dick. So thank you for being here. Thank you for coming along. And 
this, as we always say, this is the Glacially Musical Podcast. It does not play in Peoria. <laughs>